before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, the list is out. I think I've said that like three times now. Uh, I've, I was given a preliminary list. It was a raw list from some dude in Geneva. And uh, I had that a while. And uh, what what really has come out is not that new. But what came out uh, related to the Epstein list was a bunch of depositions and where there would be a John Doe X and a John Doe Y, John Doe 27 or 36 or 37 or whatever Clinton was, um, it would say John Doe and they could always just hide behind that shield. And, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyer made a good point. He says, men have been abusing women in this process for a long time, and the only one sitting rotting in jail right now is a woman. It's a good point. It doesn't excuse what Ghislaine Maxwell did. She was running girls in that circuit. Les Wexman, the guy that's the head of uh, Victoria's Secret, and... uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, people that were working with models, you know, they were trafficking girls. They were trafficking little boys, too. And now people are starting to really get to the bottom of this. Tom Hanks, obviously, is on there. Bill Clinton likes them young. That's what they said in the deposition. Bill Clinton likes them young, real young. And he was on the uh, flight logs like over 50 times. And Prince Andrew, of course, Prince Andrew, it looked like Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton were the worst offenders. But guess who was clean? Clean. Donald Trump. The left will try to show you a flight log where he was on a flight log, but that was because of bad weather. And he couldn't get his plane out to go back to New York 
And so Donald Trump was on the list of a flight log list going to New York where he was going to uh, his Jersey property. So he didn't, he, he had never been to that island. And he, he also had his kids with him. <laughs> so it, it lines up. But the witness testimony is what is truly important. And the witness testimony said, no, Donald Trump was never part of this, ever, in any way. That's because Donald Trump is a boss. He's not a pervert like half the people in Hollywood and Washington. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, the Epstein thing obviously was a honey trap and a compromat. We know that. But what also is being, uh, what also is going on is they have um, these brothels in the D.C. area inside the Beltway. And apparently it was like a go-to place for politicians and people traveling in and out of town. And they were going to these brothels, spending government money and getting them on tape, compromat, and using it to extort. So I don't know who that list, I don't know what that list is going to reveal. But we cannot have our politicians so corrupt. It's putting our country at risk. People like Bob Menendez over in the Senate just uh, found out not only did he take the gold bars, but he was also taking gold watches from Egypt, too, and from Qatar. And they were sowing influence with that, trading influence for jewelry and gold money. He didn't even value the dollar enough. He was that lacking in patriotism. The dollar's worthless. I want to go with gold. You know, things are really shaping up interestingly for 2024. I got to tell you. Everybody that I, everywhere now, more than ever before that I've ever seen, the pushback against the World Economic Forum, everybody sort of knows it now what the agenda is, what what the, the jig is up. And people are pushing back in a way I've never seen before. So there's hope. The World Economic Forum and Davos, the annual summit, that follows in the footsteps or in the wake of the COP28, formerly COP27 and COP26. They get together and they put together these events. They drink fine wine, eat their steaks, fly their private jets, and talk about why you should sacrifice. They talk about open borders and, and, and uh, poor, poor uh, developing nations' migration <clears throat> to first world countries who can sustain. It would be cheaper for a first world country to import all these slaves— it would be great for the corporations that paid the, the fees for Davos. It would be great for BlackRock 
to get all these slaves into one industrial location and get them working for nothing. And that's a stopgap between automation. We're not fully there with automation just yet. So what's the next best thing to a free automation? You know, some free robot that does the work for free. There's an up cost on that, right? I mean, it costs a lot of money in R&D and, uh, and rolling those things out. And those products are, are, are very expensive. So what's the stopgap to your fortune? Because you can't wait to spend all the money. Well, the, the stopgap is to just get a human being that's worthless and, and treat them like a slave, until we get automation, we'll use this cheap worker. We'll have them come across the border. We'll throw a little carrot like a or a piece of cheese like a mouse. And they'll follow that cheese right into the trap. And we'll work them for 18 hours a day like a slave. That's BlackRock. That's Larry Fink. That's the people trying to tell you that you got to now comply to all their regulations. And they're going to lump you in with them. Some person who can't even speak English that doesn't even know who George Washington is hasn't a clue where the next city he's going to is, but he's going to work. And guess what else is going to happen? He's going to vote. And now his vote is equal to your vote, neutralizing your vote. And the next time there's a crime or a rape, it's going to be someone like him because they're not sending their best and drugs are going to be flowing through the open borders but worse than that these open borders and now they're 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 going to impeach Mayorkas maybe in the house i think they got the votes even though we have a razor thin majority right now but it's probably going to fail in the senate and for what because Mayorkas is a danger to the country and so is Biden, who's going to give a speech at Gettysburg on Saturday to commemorate January 6th, the insurrection. They're using this insurrection to push forward Article 3 and of, of uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, like they did in Maine and Colorado. So the Trump team, Team Trump, along with the RNC, have already filed appeals to that, but they're pushing for an expedited ruling at the Supreme Court level. And if the Supreme Court, for some reason, were to sustain, sustain or stay that order, you would see all these other states follow suit. And then there would be a revolution in our country like the like the likes that we've never seen because half the military supports the patriots and half the military has access to the guns. And we would have a split army and a split d- divided military where the Pentagon would be set on fire by its own personnel. Forget about 9-11. There'd be nothing left of that Pentagon Langley would be set ablaze. CIA, my foot. These people are single-handedly ruining the world, if not America. 
with their academia soy boy mentality, their libtards that work at the CIA are nothing but little pencil pushers that think they're so smart and so geopolitical, but they don't know anything about what makes the world a better place to live. But what I like and what I'm seeing is not just the pushback against Davos and the World Economic Forum and everybody's sort of on because their whole theme this year is trust, building trust and science. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to build trust because they know that people are pushing back in a way they don't understand. They don't understand it because they're stupid. They don't understand it because they're on the upper hand. They're the ones dishing out the the dirt. So they don't know what it tastes like to eat that dirt. But we do. And we're pushing back and they don't understand it because they don't know what dirt tastes like. But they're going to get a dose of that dirt. Somehow, one way or the other. But this whole DEI thing, Vivek Ramaswamy, I got to say, People are starting to talk about him as a VP for Trump. I actually like the Tucker idea, Tucker Carlson, but <clears throat> and I think that Vivek could be a sheep in wolf's clothing, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think he could be. There's this side by side comparison of Obama saying all the right things and Vivek saying all the right things, and they were almost like tailored after each other, <clears throat> like a blueprint. <clears throat> and that made me squirmy because I really like Vivek and what he has to say. And it doesn't take away from his oratory skills and his brilliance when he answers questions about DEI and other things. So we're going to listen to Vivek right now. And then we got some other big stuff on the Scott Adams show for you. And that is President Trump just released his election fraud 2020 summary. And my goodness, it's huge, 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 unbelievable. And then there was some election fraud thing with True the Vote and Stacey Abrams and Mark Elias. Mark Elias was also the lawyer that worked for Perkins Cully that was pushing the Russian hoax, working with Glenn Simpson over at Fusion GPS. You know, Bob Mueller, the special counsel, didn't even know what a Fusion GPS was. So, hey, you know what? It is what it is. We're living in a very, very corrupt banana republic right now. But the world is a-changing. It's changing in Argentina. I think it's changing in Spain. There's revolution going on there. It's changing in Italy. Even though they've been invaded by the Muslims from the Middle East. It's not changing in the UK. It's not changing in Canada just yet. And it's not changing in America until Trump gets back into office. But it's changing around the world. Argentina, I mean, uh, Australia is waking up. Uh, Hungary has been woke and awakened. The Netherlands uh, went conservative. And Poland is more conservative. So Ukraine is dead. 
thank goodness, because the Nazis were bad. Zelensky is corrupt. And that's nothing but a laundering operation covering up their crimes from the last decade and a half. And Putin knows it. And we called the State Department's bluff on that. And the Patriots stood strong. So what I like seeing, though, is I like seeing this pushback. The open border is being exposed. Mayorkas is getting impeached. This impeachment does nothing. If it does nothing more than this, it draws attention to the chaos on the border. To where Democrats, the average Democrat voter, can't possibly explain. Taking Trump off the ballot like they did in Maine, which is so stupid. Um, even black people and Latinos are waking up saying, we left, we left the cent- Central America to get away from this corruption. We left Venezuela because we didn't want it to be. We left Cuba. And the black people are saying, look what they're doing. There was this meme that basically said, clean up that homeless person staying outside of our hotel. We don't want that kind of riffraff over here. Well, it turns out the meme was sort of suggesting that the people staying at the New York hotel were all illegal migrants, illegal immigrants, and they're staying up at this posh hotel, getting fed, housed for free. The billions of dollars that go into that. James O'Keefe just put out a expo on that. Man, he's got some good stuff right now. And you got to check out what James O'Keefe is doing on Twitter or X. Do it. I, I, I just want you to do it. The operation that's going on is unbelievable. They're spending like $32 billion on this trafficking. And now with the Epstein Island list... They're starting to say, hey, look, that's child trafficking right there through the open border. Mayorkas and Joe Biden are the biggest sex traffickers on the planet, making Epstein look like child's play. And that's how they need to couch that argument. They need to couch it just like that. And I st- I'm starting to see, never before... Have we had Twitter, uh, had a social media platform that was open to free speech? We haven't had that in 20, 30 years. I'd say 20 years. I don't think social media has been around for 30 years, actually. But it's been around since the beginning. I mean, Facebook is a complete and total joke. I don't do anything on Facebook or threads or or even Instagram. I'm not going to give Mark Zuckerberg a, a piece of my business. But... Elon Musk has stepped up and done some good things. And recently he came out and he made a big, huge statement about DEI. And he he basically said, uh, DEI must die, right? Which was kind of a cool, uh, cool thing that he said. I was trying to, trying to find it actually. And I, I can't, I cannot find it. But um, I have a, a clip from Vivek. Oh, right here. I found it. All right. 
The point was to end discrimination, not replace it with different discrimination, says Elon Musk. DEI must die. That's what Elon Musk said. Perhaps the most powerful man in the world, Elon Musk, said that. In the wake of Claudine Gay and the Harvard debacle, they're thinking about getting rid of the whole entire Harvard board. They should. But the blatant disregard for fairness is starting to even wake up the libtards in our colleges. They're starting to see the game that's being played, that Biden is promising things he can't deliver on, like student loan forgiveness. And they're starting to say, you know, everything Biden said was a lie. Even if they're wrong in the way that they're doing it, they're thinking, you know, that Biden's supporting Israel, and therefore, you know, free like free, he's not freeing Palestine enough, right? So, I mean, they're wrong, but they're still aggravated by Biden, right? And they're turning their back on Biden. I think Charlemagne the God is starting to wake up and realize he's losing his black audience because black people are get waking up. And the, the percentages that endorse Trump now is bigger than we've ever seen. What I'm saying is I don't think there's an algorithm alive that's going to be able to uh, use fraud alone as a mechanism to take uh, to, to, to uh, cheat Trump in 2024. And that's why I think that there's going to be some sort of a cyber attack or there's going to be some other event that's going to go gangbusters on the world and disrupt free and fair elections. Because in 2024, that's a big election year. About half the world is in an election cycle. More so than normal. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to this uh, this Vivek response on DEI. I, I thought it was one of the more amazing responses that he gave. And he just didn't take the bait. And if anything, you'll learn how to debate that issue. When it comes to DEI, you just simply call it racism. It disc- it's discriminatory. And it shouldn't be tolerated. Replacing one discrimination from uh, over another. Let's take a listen. Ask a question. She's a professor at Drake University who teaches in the College of Business and Education. She's a Republican from West Des Moines who is undecided. Claire. Thank you, Abby. Thank you also for spending time with our students at Drake. As a professor, I think it's super important that we get that opportunity. So thank you for spending time with them. As president, what specific strategies would you implement to promote diversity and inclusion in leadership roles within both public and private sectors? How do you plan to support the advancement of underrepresented groups, including women, in these areas? So I'll be very honest with you. I'm going to share with you Thomas Sowell quote that stuck with me. If you care about somebody, you tell them the truth, or at least what you believe. If you care about yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. And I'm, I have a feeling I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear on this one. So I think the diversity, equity, inclusion agenda has been abused. In the name of diversity, we have, at many of our universities, totally sacrificed diversity of thought. In the name of equity, we've perpetuated a lot of inequity and inequality of opportunity through affirmative action and otherwise. In the name of inclusion, we've created a new culture of exclusion where certain points of view aren't welcome. 
So especially in a university setting, what do I care about? Diversity of viewpoint. This is important, actually. I think diversity of viewpoint is part of what this country was built on. Well, the best way to foster diversity of viewpoint is to screen candidates for the diversity of their views, actually. Many look at the board members of many universities. You're going to go through their partisan affiliation. It's not 80-20. It's going to be like 90-10 in the other direction. That's completely at odds with the representation of this country. So do I value diversity of viewpoint? Absolutely. Do I think we're doing a good job of that? No, we're not. And it's not an accident. In the name of diversity, we've actually created a new culture of conformity. And so I think it's entirely possible to have a group of 10 people who look similar to one another who have different views. I think it's entirely possible to have a group of 10 people who look different from one another or who look the same as one another but have different views or look different from one another and have the same views. And so I think the best way to screen candidates for the diversity of their experiences is to actually ask them about the diversity of their experiences. And I think the use of these racial and gender quota systems, I think have actually created a new form of racism in the United States that otherwise would not have existed. It's sad to me. I mean, I've hired, not because I was thinking about it consciously, plenty of black women in different positions of authority in this campaign or other companies or whatever. And I can tell you it saddens me when people look at somebody who I hired on the basis of merit and say that they only got that job because of their race or gender. That doesn't do anybody a favor. And so I think if we restore true meritocracy in this country and embrace true diversity of thought, chances are we're actually going to have a bunch of different shades of melanin and a range of genders in different positions. But let it be not the goal. Let it just be a byproduct of actually selecting for people who are the best person for the job, and especially in a university setting, diverse viewpoints as well. That's what I say. It was beautiful. I mean, I, I think that that's just such an outstanding answer. Uh, let's take a listen to this other Vivek response. Washington Post reporter debates doubles down. You didn't say that you condemn white supremacy. He didn't fall for the trap. You didn't listen. say that you condemn white supremacy. I'm not, I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits, fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious... And that's very much in line with the pronoun thing, isn't it? You know, and this is what they did to Trump in the wake of Charlottesville. Can you denounce that white, you know, white supremacists were bad? Well, I wasn't there. I don't know what they did, right? He didn't bite. See, that was the key. And again, you know, if anything, Ramaswamy learned from Trump. Because if you go back to that Charlottesville situation... It was really the uh, Antifa in, insurrection of that event. And uh, maybe the Black Lives Matter, but it was orchestrated. And the people who, the, the guy who got the license on that was a, an Obama supporter. I forget his name, but he supported Obama once upon a time. And he got the license for that event. And there was video of both sides sharing the same bus to get to that event. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. This was just near the beginning of tearing down statues and uh, censorship and Me Too and a whole bunch of other things that were uh, manufactured back then. It was a new part of a new playbook that the left rolled out followed by Jesse Smollett and 
the anti-lynching bill. And, you know, they've been that's all they do is play games. But let's take a listen. Nation, this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality is. I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. You want to know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race? Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that, and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you with your catechism that you try to get to politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break, to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games. Yeah, that's totally, that's just totally off the char- off the hook right there. I, I, that He's so good at what he does right there. So, like I said, Elon Musk was responding to this guy, Bill Aikman. He says, in light of today's news, I thought I would try to take a step back and provide perspective on what this is really all about. I first became concerned about Harvard when 34 student organizations early on in the morning on October 8th before Israel had taken, let's see, oh, this is, this is too long, actually. Um, how could this be? So, Bill Aikman uh, was talking about the incidents that went down and under DEI, one's degree of oppression is determined based upon uh, where one resides on a so-called intersectional pyramid of oppression. Well, anyway, he gets into a long diatribe, very academic. Elon Musk responds to that and says, DEI is just another word for racism. Shame on anyone who uses it. So J6 also is being exposed for what it is. And, you know, Joe Biden apparently didn't get the memo. So this Saturday, he's going to, on the, to commemorate J6, he's going to be giving another nasty speech in front of uh, Gettysburg. But um, Nancy Pelosi, uh, they, they lied about, well, they, they lied about the uh, support that was ordered. And uh, Cash Patel's statements have gone viral on that. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to play that audio though. I, I had some audio. It does. It doesn't translate all that well. Well, let's try it. Okay, let's try this. Let's take a listen. This is Nancy Pelosi lying through her teeth. And also, remember, there was the Capitol Hill police chief that. Uh, wasn't on board with what she was doing, and he, she ordered him to be fired. A, a second set here. 
in a press conference on January 7th, Speaker Pelosi called for your resignation on national television. I am calling for the resignation of the Capitol, the Chief of the Capitol Police, Mr. Sund, and I have received uh, notice from Mr. Irving that he is will be submitting his resignation. Speaker Pelosi also stated that she had not talked to you since the initial breach of the Capitol, but according to your transcribed interview, you were on the phone with Speaker Pelosi a few times. Well, let me just say this. Many of our Capitol Police just acted so bravely and so with such concern for the staff, for the members, for the Capitol, for the Capitol of the United States. Many of them, and, and they deserve uh, our gratitude. But there was a failure at, at, of leadership at the top of the Capitol Police, and I think Mr. Sund, uh, ha he hasn't even called us since this happened. You know, so I had ma made aware that I would be saying that we're calling for his resignation. Uh, can you explain that discrepancy? Yeah, that is, uh, that, that is correct. I, I spoke to Speaker Pelosi um, three times uh, that, that evening, and uh, she went on national TV and said I'd never spoken to her, but I spoke to her three times. Um, the three, uh, three times were the first time when I went over to brief uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence at the secure location. Um, I had called uh, um, House Sergeant Arms Irving, told him I was going over to brief the uh, Vice President. I was also going over to do a personal assessment of the Capitol. At that point, things were getting under control. Uh, went over there, briefed him on when we can get them back into chambers with you know, uh, Mr. Irving being fully aware. Uh, he said he wanted to get Speaker Pelosi on the phone. He made a phone call from his cell phone at approximately 534, uh, where I first briefed Speaker Pelosi. Uh, the second call was when I left that location. As I was walking away, I met up with Mr. Stinger, and we started walking over to the Senate to go brief the Senate. When uh, Jennifer Hemingway, I believe it was Jennifer Hemingway, handed me his cell phone, and it was Emily Barrett's cell phone calling her, and it was Speaker Pelosi on the other line. This is my call, second call with Speaker Pelosi, questioning the information I'd given to uh, Vice President Pence about when we can get back into chambers. I assured her that information was correct. I could get them back into chambers by 7, uh, 7 p.m., and the call ended. That was call number So two. Pelosi lied about her communication with him. I was over at the Senate uh, from the secure location, I mean, from where the Senate had been sequestered, uh, and on a uh, cell phone using Robert Karam's cell phone, they dialed leadership, who was over off-site at a secure location, and I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call. You didn't have two calls. You had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. Well, let me just say this. Many of our Capitol Police just acted so bravely. So she's just a compulsive liar and apparently a stockbroker <laughs> cheat, <laughs> insider trader. So let's listen to Cash Patel. Let's listen to this. I think we were going to start with uh, President Trump. Are they ready to call their first witness? Yes, we would call Kasha Patel. To your knowledge, did any senior DOJ leader ever state in words or substance that they felt they needed more or different authorization from President Trump before they could deploy National Guard troops to keep the peace on January 6th? No. So why didn't we have 10,000 National Guard troops suited up and armed guarding the Capitol on the morning of January 6th? There's a multitude of reasons, but namely, step one was a commander-in-chief's authorization, which we had. Step two was a request by the governing body, the local governing body. It's the mayor, since it's Washington, D.C., 
and or the heads of the Capitol Police Bureau. And Mr. Patel, I would ask you uh, if you recognize this letter. I do. It's the letter I referenced from Mayor Bowser, I believe on January 5th, to the Department of Defense, where she specifically stated, we would not be requesting any additional National Guards men and women. And that was her letter to us. That was the declination of a request. And so we were on standby. Did you testify before the January 6th Select Committee? I did. Were you questioned in a public hearing? Uh, no, they declined my request for a public hearing. Was your testimony public when given? No. Did you tell them what you told us today about the president and the deployment of National Guard troops? I believe so. Did the committee ever call you to testify about those issues in public session? No. Some of the senior officials, uh, people Liz like Cheney. Patel, uh, apparently um, not available. So she lied. We felt it appropriate that the transcript should be made public at some point. And after months-long negotiations, they refused to do so and published their final report. And, it, and to my memory, it had been excluded. I think on the eve of the dissolution of the committee, my transcript was the last one released. I have no further questions, sir. Please, sir. Thank you very much. You called their bluff. And what's shocking to me, because I didn't even really understand this, is that you gave this testimony. Liz Cheney and, and, and Kinzinger and you guys, he gave this testimony, essentially, to J6, and they buried it? Some of the senior officials, uh, people like Cash Patel, uh, apparently um, not available. Point blank. Is your testimony basically one of the key reasons that Jack Smith can't and won't indict President Trump for insurrection? You know, I believe so. It's the truth. If, if they could have, if anyone could have charged President Trump with this direction, this special counsel, Jack Smith, would have done it. So that's what it's all about. Jack Smith won't bring that charge against Trump because of this discovery and, you know, the Brady uh, sculptory evidence. You know, that's what it's about. And so how dare they try to take him off the ballot in these states, right? I mean, think about it. He didn't, he, they can't even bring the charge because they're trying to cover up J6. Yet Joe Biden this Saturday is going to talk about the anniversary of J6 as, as, as this insurrection. It is a total fraud, like the Russian hoax was a total fraud. Biden and his admin care more about criminals than Americans. Must be due to climate change. So there's a meme here. It says, I'm sorry, sir, but you need to move on immediately. He's a homeless person. The illegal immigrants in the hotel across the road have complained about you. That's where we are in this world. But check this out. We're in an election year. And we just passed a milestone, $34 trillion in debt. Let's take a listen to this. Congrats to the Biden administration for breaking another record. The United States of America has officially hit a new record high, $34 trillion in national debt, with $1 trillion of it being added in the last 100 days. One trillion dollars. That averages out to approximately $102,000 per U.S. citizen 
and $265,000 per taxpayer. Your child who can barely walk or talk now has to work to pay it off, not only the debt, but the interest. $722 billion just to service the interest on the debt. But don't worry, Congress is working hard. They should be back to work soon, at least before they take their next vacation. It's January 2024, and we still don't have a balanced budget for 2024. But vacation days are important, mental health. I would hate for our trusted legislators to be overworked and underappreciated, underpaid. Oh, just to be clear, those 113 yellow days are the working days. Congress is a joke. America is in trouble, and not one of them thinks. Maybe we should cancel our next vacation and stay here and work. Maybe we should stop pretending to be influencers and podcasters and do what we are hired to do. Maybe we should stop worrying about our own asses and care about the people that gave us our jobs, pay our bills, and most importantly, were elected to represent. Left and right, I don't care if you agree or disagree with you. If you're not in Washington at this point in life, locking yourself in your office and grinding like the rest of us, you should be fired. I don't care who has the majority in the House or the Senate. That's not our job to care. It's your job to figure it out. I'm done. Uh, that's an Asian guy. I've never seen or heard of him before, but uh, he makes uh, very valid points. All right, let's th- take a listen to uh, this Tucker clip uh, real quick. Democrats were going to dump Biden for Gavin Newsom, but they're not because, and he, he trashes Nikki Haley here. And uh, and uh, he talks about um, Kamala Harris, you know, being more undesirable than Joe Biden. So we're in a pickle. If you're a Democratic mega donor, this is a very tough moment for you. Your candidate is going to lose. All the polls show that. Joe Biden will not be elected president if current trends continue. So you need to make a change. But there's a problem. And that problem is Joe Biden's running mate. She's half Jamaican. Therefore, she's holy. You can't criticize her, much less demote her. That's not allowed. You are stuck with Kamala Harris. And she is even more unpopular than Joe Biden. So what do you do? Well, if you're smart, maybe you subvert the other party. Maybe you back a Republican candidate who's actually a Democrat, whose priorities are identical to yours. And of course, they found one. Her name is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is a liberal. She is all in on the four tenets of neoliberalism, which are white guilt of finance-based economy, mass immigration, and endless neocon wars. Strip away all the outward characteristics, and Nikki Haley is identical in her priorities to Joe Biden and the people. And that's the kind of the uh, take-home message for that. Um, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air? Oh, no. All right. Well, that caller just got off the air because he had, he had to wait, I guess. Um, uh, well, we're going we're gonna to continue on with uh there was more to that clip but i'm not going to play because it just gets old they they show this section of nikki haley basically doubling down on war and stuff like that i mean it's it's pathetic but i i truly believe that she is you know very much built from the same cloth as an as a neocon liberal 
<laughs> which sounds like a mouthful, right? But uh, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, I didn't know if you were on the uh, topic of Epstein again. And, but uh, oh, we, is, we uh, yeah we never... were, we covered that in the earlier part of the show. But um, you know, the thing is, there's a bunch of stuff I want to cover. Um, Trump uh, just yesterday put out uh, a whole summation of election fraud from 2020 that was just unbelievable. He put it up on his Truth Social. And then, of course, the Epstein list is out. And, uh, you know, we covered the highlights of that, but uh, there's a lot of detail in that. It's 957 pages. Yeah, I saw uh, one portion that was uh, there with the... Because yesterday you mentioned the unredacted uh, name. And... uh, and then I looked at the names that were around it. And then, because, uh, you know, when you said that, I thought, well, let me find a way to see what, what's on uh, on that list that you were talking about, you know, help you further. Well, and, like, uh, uh, like John Doe 107 is a woman from England. Her name, last name's Terry, Elizabeth Terry or something like that. And she's she's pretty well documented in that anyway. But uh, so pretty much every name has been made available. Yeah. I, I yeah I would say um, that's the list looks familiar to me, and I remember the one uh, Brunel, who everyone mistakes as John Roberts, uh, standing in uh, at the beach with with uh, the croonies of, right. of uh, that right. one famous photo. Yeah, he passed away last year. And then there's Glenn Dubin, the Wall Street croony of uh, Epstein. Oh, and John Richardson's dead. So, you know. Yeah, I, rem- yeah, I remember uh, uh, Glenn Dubin was in the news along with his wife, uh, the former uh, Swedish uh, 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 Miss Sweden, Ava yeah. Anderson. She was she was before she married Glenn Dubin, the Wall Street uh, broker. She was Epstein's uh, girlfriend back in the in the eighties, and I remember meeting her because uh, at the time I was a uh, I was uh, modeling for a company, and she was doing a, a photo shoot for uh, for her publicist, and uh, we did a photo shoot together, and then she. Uh, offered to give me some portion of the of the photos, mm-hmm. so I went to I went to meet her, and uh, <clears throat> uh, Epstein was with her in tow, but I didn't talk to him. He was just with her, you know, just accompanying her. And I remember then I saw the, uh, an article in the social tabloids about about uh, because uh, uh, Epstein was busted in January of 2019, right around this time. And uh, uh, they found so much material, you know, uh, that uh, discloses uh, his uh, associates that may have been on the island. And some of it was um, uh, CDs and so forth and passports. And I remember that story about that was in the uh, society tabloids about one teenage girl from Sweden that uh, was lured to go uh, to the island. And uh, as the story goes, her her, pal, her passport was taken, but somehow she escaped the island. And, and she made a perilous journey 
back to uh, New York City, of all places, that far away a place. And she um, appealed. She sought out um, Ava Anderson uh, and to, to vouch for her to find uh, her way back to Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, so, and I remember, uh, you see, at the time I was an artist, too. I was doing art projects. And I remember this art girl. She was also a, a masseuse. Uh, and uh, she responded to an ad in the paper, and uh, she got uh, interviewed by Jason Goodman, the guy that was doing the, the stories about the hospitals during COVID that were empty. Okay. I asked him to interview her, and uh, he did a segment, I think, for a half hour or hour to tell that story about Epstein, because she told me that uh, she responded to Ghislaine Maxwell's ads in right. the paper. Right. You know, she would put in a paper, masseuse wanted, female, on call, asked for Ghislaine. But when she went over to the house, it was uh, it was a bait and switch. She said, well, actually, the person you want to see is, uh, is Jeff. And so uh, she didn't mind that, you know, because it was a business uh, deal arrangement. Right. No, and, no, I'm uh, aware of that story. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But, but I talked. I talked to her about yeah. about that. But we we we're running up against the end of our show, and we kind of kind of have to. Um. But but is there any other thing you wanted to comment on, on that? No, I'll go. I'll go with that. And uh, thank you very much for taking my call. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Yeah, it's a riveting story, and uh, I got to tell you. You know, there's a lot of big things happening in the world. Uh, you know, um, was it uh, Dana White, Elon Musk, and Tucker Carlson? Three of the biggest mega stars in the planet. Super rich. All basically are telling the World Economic Forum to go F themselves. And um, here it says, we must fight against the entities that are taking over the world. Our government has sold us out to the World Economic Forum. Never forget, the freedom we surrender today are the freedoms our grandkids will never know existed. Never underestimate the power of the people. And then there's this meme, and it says, I want to see every member of the World Economic Forum on live TV for the world eating bugs, getting forced injections accompanied by proof that they have forfeited their palaces, jets, and food for the greater good of climate change. Until then, you can shut the F up about the great re- your great reset. You know, So that's what they're saying. Um, and <laughs> it's good stuff. So, President Trump released summary of election fraud in the 2020 presidential election in the swing states. So, the introduction goes like this. It has often been repeated. We're going to get to that here in a second. It's often been repeated there is no evidence of fraud in the 2020 election. In actuality, there is no evidence Joe Biden won. Ongoing investigations in the swing states reveal hundreds of thousands of votes were altered and or not lawfully cast in the presidential election of 2020. Joe Biden needed them. On election night, 
November 3rd, 2020, President Donald J. Trump was sailing to re-election with landslide leads in numerous battleground states. In Georgia, President Trump was up by 12 points and over 335,000 votes, with 56% of the vote in at 10.17 p.m. In Wisconsin, President Trump was leading by 121,380 votes and five points at 12.12 a.m., which Fox News anchor Brett Baer noted was not a small margin. In Pennsylvania, President Trump was leading by 660,000 votes at 12.38 a.m., a full 15 points. In Michigan, President Trump was leading by 293,000 votes and 10 points up. The election was over. However, precincts in Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Milwaukee kept counting until the results reached the desired outcome, which was the opposite of the will of the voters. Georgia went from having a total of 4.7 million votes, already a record for the state, according to Brad Raffensperger's count on November 4th, to certifying almost 5 million votes. This was 300,000 more votes than what the top elections official claimed were cast in the election. So there's a lot of fraud. President Trump was right to voice his objections to what had unfolded before the country's eyes. Republican poll watchers were denied access to the counting in multiple jurisdictions, and ballots were counted in secret in the middle of the night without media or observers present. Countless irregularities emerged, including reports of ineligible voters, voting machine anomalies, water main breaks, improbable percentages of ballots for Biden, and more. Since investigations across the country have uncovered an avalanche of irregular, unlawfully activity, manipulation of election records, destruction of evidence, and fraud, the findings, which are outcome determinative, are detailed in the summaries of the swing states. And it goes into, you know, Georgia. uh, I mean, I'm talking like an enormous amount of data here. Enormous. So Georgia, Wisconsin, all the states, Arizona, and this has been posted out. If you want to go on X and see this thread, it's Kenakoa the Great, Kenakoa the Great, uh, K-A-N-E-K-O-A, Kenakoa the Great. Um, Check them out. It's an unbelievable read. And uh, there's so much more. But the truth is starting to creep out. And once that does, it's going to be an avalanche. It's going to be like cutting the Achilles heel of a giant. And we're going to end up taking back our country. By the way, just nothing for nothing. Oprah Winfrey's private jet was at Epstein's Island 11 different times. See, they fly their own jets there, too. Well, you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. Check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. If you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, we're pushing America First policies to make America great again. Use Red State over at mypillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.